Hey there, misfits. This is Kate. And I'm Kale. Welcome to Horrorwood. So on this episode especially, we'd like to thank and give a shout out to our newest Patronian. Yay! And it's none other than a good dear friend of mine. And I'm going to say her nickname, um, also which happens to be her last name. So I call her H2Os because her last name <laughs> is Waters. So it just makes me excited to be able to shout out, um, you know, a really great element out there. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. We love it. Uh, and I'm working on another episode for the Patreon right now, which I think will be a fun one. Awesome. And do you want to know the cutest thing that happens? Um, well, she'll tell me that on Tuesday nights when she's making dinner, she listens to our episodes. So she kind of has a little routine. But she I also has but she also has a young one, a third grader. And sometimes he'll walk in and he'll be like, is that Miss Kaylee's voice? Oh. But then she's like, and I got to turn it off because, you know, we do <laughs> swear sometimes. So <laughs> it's very for cute. the kitties. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So today we are talking about Brittany Murphy. And this is going to be a two-parter. I originally wanted it to be in one, but there's just so much. And I realized I physically could not finish the research to have the entire thing done to do one today. So sporadically. I just wanted to shout her out. <laughs> oh, I, I know so, so many, many clueless um, quotes. So I, yeah, we're we're definitely going to talk about that one. I also want to say, as I was researching this, it gives me Marilyn Monroe vibes, which I never oh. would have thought of before. But you'll start to see like some of the similarities. There is one picture I've seen of her and she has kind of the pen curl. Is that what they call them? Pen curls? Or, you uh, know, like the maybe. 50 sweep. Sure. Swoop? Yeah. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Where I could, um, now I'm going to have to find that. But yeah, I, I could see that a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not even like the look for me that like that makes me think that. It's just things that happened in her career and her relationships. So let's get into it. Okay. On the morning of December 20th, 2009, Brittany Murphy was pronounced dead at just 32 years old. Her friends, her fans, and really people everywhere were shocked. How does a seemingly healthy 32-year-old woman just drop dead? Yeah. Suspicion began to swirl around her husband, Simon Monjack, and his behavior in the days and weeks following her death definitely didn't make him look good. Pretty sketch. Yeah. Not gonna lie. Which is yeah. why people were even more stunned when just five months after Brittany died, so did Simon, yeah. and under similar circumstances. So what the hell was going on there? Right? So odd. I mean, I have already told Kate that I've seen the the documentary, and I mm -hmm. remember obviously remember the details of um Brittany and when that when she had passed and it was so tragic. And then until I watched the documentary, I don't think I realized that the similar sequence happened with him. And so I yeah. was I was telling Kate before this, I was like, after I watched that documentary, I thought about it for days. 
Yeah. And I, so I watched that. So you're talking about the HBO documentary. I watched that. um, It's called What Happened, Brittany Murphy. And I watched uh, an ID mystery documentary about it. And then I read up like a ton of interviews and stuff. So before we get into all of that, let's talk about who Brittany was. I'm going to structure this one similar to the way I did Marilyn Monroe. I'll talk about her life and career and relationships, and then we'll go into her death in the aftermath. Brittany was born on November 10th, 1977 in Atlanta, Georgia. Her parents were Sharon Murphy and Angelo Bertolotti. Angelo was a straight up mobster. You know, I I didn't want to say anything, but I was kind of biting the tongue being like, Angelo Bertolotti. Like that is like serious Sopranos style name. He absolutely was that. He ran several strip clubs in Georgia and Florida. Reportedly, Sharon met him while she was working for him at one of these clubs. But once Brittany came along, Sharon got sick of Angelo's ways working in the clubs. Mm. He was in and out of prison. She was like, this is not a life for a little girl. So the two divorced when Brittany was just two years old. Brittany was born Brittany Ann Bertolotti, but after her parents divorced, she lived with her mother Sharon in Edison, New Jersey, and she became Brittany Murphy using her mom's maiden name. It's so funny, too, because I think I knew the Jersey ties, but I wanted to be like, and and she had that Jersey feel of like, her, her voice always reminded me of of all the people I knew in Jersey that had kind of that accent. I love her voice. Yes, I do, too. Got that I Italian. Do too. Yep. She, yeah. Absolutely. She saw her father occasionally, but didn't have much of a relationship with him, just like Marilyn, who'd had no mm-hmm. relationship with, with her, her dad. Yeah. Uh, she was extremely close with her mother, however. Sharon was a single mom, and Brittany was her only child. There was never one without the other. Brittany wanted to be an entertainer pretty much from the time she learned to talk and could say, this is what I want to do. She loved performing in general, acting, singing, dancing, and she was good at all of it. Mm-hmm. I saw it reported in a couple of places that when she was just five years old, she was at a restaurant with her mom and at the table next to them were Burt Reynolds and George Seagal. Is it Seagal or Seagal? I think it's it's Seagal. And she just marched up to them and said, I'm Brittany Murphy and one day I'm going to be a star. I could totally see that, actually. 100%. She was all confidence, and it was clear to everyone she was around that she had the determination and talent to make her dreams come true. When she was nine years old, she auditioned for the title role in a musical called Really Rosie. The director, John Minter, said right away he knew she was someone very special. She got the part, OBS, and she was interviewed by the local news and they asked, so where is all this leading? Kind of like, you know, what do you plan to do when you grow up? And she said, Broadway or Hollywood, both. First, I want to do Broadway, then Hollywood. And then I just want to do a bunch of things. I love that tenacity, like that, like that pang of like, yep, I'm going to do it. And that, I mean, you kind of have to have that if you're going to be in that business. Yeah. And she made friends with the other kids in the show. And one of them said that there was one night when Brittany was in the middle of a huge solo and suddenly forgot her lines. But rather than get embarrassed and run off stage or cry like a lot of nine-year-olds would do, like that's what I would have done. Brittany just starts doing high kicks and improvs until she gets back on track with the music. 
You know, girl after my own heart, I often like to do improvs when I've fucked something up. (laughs) And some high kicks. I mean, why not? As a kid, Brittany studied musical theater, tap, jazz, ballet, and singing at Vern Fowler's School of Dance and Theater in Colonia, New Jersey. And with New York just across the way, Mm -hmm. she was able to go on auditions. She wasn't even a teenager yet, and she was already starting to land commercials. When she wasn't working on stage or in a commercial, she did what a lot of kids her age do, which was babysit. Her sole reason for babysitting was so she could make money to buy blue colored contacts. Are you serious? Yes. Her eyes were brown, but she wanted them to be blue. Remember when colored contacts were the thing? Oh, totally. I had purple ones. You did? Yeah. I yeah. Amazing. <laughs> I, something like that. Yeah. Except for one ripped in my eye the night of homecoming. Oh. And I was, yeah. And I was on the like court or whatever. And I swear, one of my eyes was permanently red for that night. I mean, well, oh it's temporary, goodness. but you know, it was just awful because I remember I had all my makeup on and then I'm like, oh, and I had to take them off. So, you know, then yeah. I couldn't see to walk across stage or whatever it was. But anyway, um, I did have them and they were violet. Amazing. Um, it was my one and only contacts. And then I didn't wear contacts again for another like 15 years or 16 <laughs> because it hurt so bad when it ripped. Oh, um, yeah. And also it's interesting that she wanted to have blue eyes. I mean, I always have wanted to have brown eyes because Same. the song Brown Eyed Girl. Oh, mine was, I just wanted brown eyes because I thought they looked so pretty. And I and always yours are like wanted brown green? eyes. Mine are green, yeah. I, that's what I thought. Mine are blue. So I just, I did too. I thought they were so pretty. There were songs about them. Mm-hmm. You know, I love having songs about things. And uh, <laughs> you want something sometimes that you can't have or can't get. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, that's I just, like so typical of kids that age too. Totally. It's like, I need, I'm going to change my eye color. And I can just understand and empathize that, right? Like, yep, yeah. Same. Oh, but she was never one of those stuck-up showbiz kids. Everyone said she was always just so warm and friendly and fun. She was really outgoing and could make friends easily. I mean, even, even as a character, she had such charisma. Uh, yep. I loved it. And I wondered, like, you know, ex- obviously she had the experience of having the babysitting that we just learned about. But um, mm-hmm. I always loved her, not only in Clueless, because I love that movie, but as any 90s girl would. Yep. But um, do you remember the movie Uptown Girls? Uptown Girl, yep. And Dakota she Channing. just, I loved her. I mean, they had such a good on-screen presence mm-hmm. together that I just felt like she knew how to, you know, handle somebody who was younger, like, Maybe that was like the babysitting. Maybe that helped her in having roles with somebody younger than her. But they had such a good online presence together. On-screen presence? Uh, Oh, oh my God. I'm so used to saying online now (laughs) that I... (laughs) Yeah, Dakota Fanning said that Brittany was the best and just used to tell her, just make sure you're having fun. Always have fun. I love that. I, I really do. When Britney was younger, and this was in the HBO documentary, so if you've seen that, you yeah, you probably remember this. There was some footage of her at a state fair, and the news is there interviewing people at the fair. And Britney, just being this bubbly, confident kid, walks right up to the interviewer and says, would you like a children's perspective? And he's like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. sure. Do you want to <laughs> interview people? And she's like, sure. So he gives her the microphone, and he says, okay, talk to whoever you want. Without hesitation, she goes up to these kids and is like, hi, how are you today? What brings you to the fair? It is 
the cutest thing. It's it's darling. Like it's so cute. I I watched that and I just remember to me it it was like a foreshadowing of the person she was as she was growing older. Oh, 100%. Because that's kind of the charisma and the and the personality she brought out and the other characters that she played later. I mean, that's yep. just her as a real life person, right? Yeah. Um doing that, but it yeah. And at the end of the interview, the guy, the interviewer says, tell us your name and what school you go to. And she's kind of laughing and just full of energy. And she says, I'm Brittany Murphy and I go to Herbert Hoover Middle School. <laughs> and you just, you like you said, you could just, you just tell know. she's yeah. meant to be in front of a camera. It really does. It showcases a trajectory for her. So Brittany's taking these performing arts classes. She's booking some commercials and she's about to enter high school. And her mom is realizing this kid is really determined to pursue this as a career. So Sharon asks Brittany, is this what you really want? Are you serious about doing this? And Brittany's like, uh, yeah. So Sharon's like, all right, if we're doing this, we're going to go all in. And in 1991, when Brittany was just 13 years old, they pack up everything and leave their New Jersey lives behind and move to Hollywood. And I think Sharon recognized that Brittany was ready to work and wanted to make the move before mm-hmm. she entered high school so that... Should an opportunity come up, Brittany wouldn't have to leave her New Jersey high school like right in the middle of it and go out to L.A. And at that point, maybe it was also a perspective of what do we have to lose? Like, yeah, I mean, if you're going to go, there's no time like the present. Mm -hmm. Once she got to California, she enrolled in John Burroughs High School in Burbank. The school has been used as a filming location for various projects and was the setting for the school scenes in the Wonder Years. Just FYI. The original Wonder Years. Okay. Some other some other some other notable alumni that have gone there are Debbie Reynolds, Ron Howard, and Eric Balfour. Eric and Brittany were the same age and ended up forming a band together called well, I've seen it called two things: Blessed Soul or Blessed with Soul. I've seen it reported several ways. Do I did I know she was in a band? I don't know if I did. Uh, she was a legit singer. Yeah, I knew that, but I don't know if I knew, or maybe I didn't know the band. I don't know if I knew that. That's Yeah. She would go on to sing on the tracks of rap and R&B artists uncredited because she said she just wanted to learn how to work behind a mic in a recording studio. Incredible. So she would record backup vocals separately from when the lead singers would record. So she said some of the singers don't even know it was her recording albums, but she said she could hear herself on the radio all the time. So is there any account of, of like what she's done? You mean like who she has sung for? Yeah. I've tried to find it. I couldn't find it. Maybe, maybe when the misfits can find it and let us know. So Brittany has moved across the country. She's at a new school. And while a lot of kids might have a difficult time adjusting to all the change, not Brittany. She pretty much hit the ground running. She immediately got cast as Brenda Drexel in the series Drexel's Class which was followed by several roles in TV series, including Blossom, Frasier, Party of Five, and Sister, Sister. But her breakout role came in the 1995 coming-of-age teen comedy, Clueless, in which she played the hopelessly klutzy transfer student, Ty Frazier. I remember the first time I went to see Clueless. I was with my best friend at the time, April Serlanti, We saw it at the Dixie Dozen Theater in Louisville, Kentucky, which has since closed. And we probably quoted that movie at least once a day for the next six months. As you should. You have to. Like, there are so many gems in there. 
I remember asking for that movie for Christmas when it came out on VHS. And this is not an exaggeration. I watched it almost every single day when I got home from school. I had it memorized beginning to end. I'm pretty sure it came out in the summer because um, I went to see it on my 17th birthday. Mm-hmm. And then later, my friend Letitia had thrown me like a birthday party, like a pool party. And we mm-hmm. just kept quoting it all night. Yeah, it it did come out in the summer. Okay. Yeah. Because I was like, wait a minute, 1995. That was my 17th. I was like, that's, I saw it in the theater. And then we had this pool party afterwards. And we could not stop talking about it. It was the best. I totally paused. Like we just, we could not stop. <laughs> Rolling with the homies. I had to do the hand. I had to. <laughs> I love it. And she also had the, my buns, they don't feel nothing like steel. Oh my gosh, you did a really good um, Thai voice. Oh, I don't even think that was very good, but thank you for saying that. Then there, of course, there was her line, you're a virgin who can't drive. Oh, that's a good line. Brittany was just 17 years old when she made that movie, making her the youngest cast member. Oh, Yeah. She later said that when she was filming that and and she said that line about being a virgin who can't drive, she herself was a virgin virgin. who couldn't drive. (laughs) She actually never learned how to drive until 2006 when she was forced to for a movie. And even then, I'm not sure she actually like really learned or like did the actual driver's test or did it or just did enough to like pass you know in the movie wow which if you were living in los angeles in the 90s and early 2000s it seems impossible to get around because this is before lyft the luber luber i called it luber (laughs) that sounds like a sex thing it does but i was i lyft uber what a oh oh my my god God. and LA's public transit system. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. It's not great. Um, But I think she relied mostly on her mom to get her places. And because she was underage, she had to have a parent or guardian with her on set at all times. So her mom was, of course, right there by her side. Yeah, I I feel like that was kind of that whole, like, she was the momager. You know, I don't, I mean, maybe, like, I guess she was a little bit of a stage mom. Maybe. I couldn't really find reports of, like, Sharon having horrible behavior like people always said that she was lovely I mean just of like of like having her schedule making sure she got to these places sure yeah that's more I mean not not like what they are like today yeah unfortunately though the role of the caregiver in their relationship would soon switch because in 1995 just after production wrapped on Clueless Sharon Murphy was diagnosed with breast cancer Brittany was all she really had, and vice versa. So Brittany spent a lot of time with her mom in the hospital in between work commitments. And that's hard for anyone, let alone a teenager. That same year, Brittany was in a car accident that caused her to suffer from chronic jaw pain the rest of her life. Thankfully, Sharon pulled through, and offers for Brittany continued to pour in. I'm, I'm starting to remember, like, from the documentary, and then I'm like, when I was watching it in real time, like I was recovering from surgery and couldn't really move. So I was forced to, you know, watch a lot of documentaries. But this one in particular, I remember thinking, man, I really liked her. Like, because it, yeah. it had been a while since she had passed. And so like I hadn't really watched a lot of the movie, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. in real time I had, but it had been a while. And I was like, wow. I'm like, God, what a life cut short is what I, you know. Exactly. In 1997, when she was still a teenager, she made her Broadway debut in A View from the Bridge by Arthur Miller, another Marilyn Monroe connection. Mm-hmm. 
And she landed her longest running gig, the voice of Luann Platter on the animated series King of the Hill, for which she later won an Annie Award for voice acting in an animated television production. When asked about her growing fame, Brittany said, I can't believe that people actually know my first and last name. I think it's really, really gosh darn neat. Gosh darn neat. That statement right there is a perfect example of her personality. Just funny and bright and happy to be there. I am going to pull that out when I can. I'm going to get in the ticker and I'm going to be like, gosh darn neat when I need to. So Brittany is really starting to make a name for herself. But unfortunately, with her newfound fame, she's starting to feel the pressures of Hollywood. One executive told her, quote, you're huggable, but you're not fuckable. So that's horrific. Brittany starts feeling like her round features, you know, she had that rounded face and the curly dark hair weren't good enough for Hollywood. This is when she goes blonde. Well, the thing is, her look is what I feel made her stand out when she was starting out. So it's just really sad that the industry made her feel inadequate. Yes, that that she needed to have a change or something. Yeah, which Hollywood can do that to a person. Next thing you know, Brittany's losing weight. She changes her hair to blonde. She gets hair extensions. And she told Kathy Najemi, who worked with her on King of the Hill, that she had been told, if I want to be considered a leading lady, I have to lose a lot of weight. She was okay. small to begin with. That's the thing. She was so petite already. Of course, once she changed her looks, tabloids came out. Brittany mm-hmm. Murphy has an eating disorder. disorder. Brittany yep. Murphy is a cocaine addict. Yeah. These types of rumors would plague her for years, but she denied ever having an eating disorder or using drugs. She would claim that her weight loss was attributed to just getting older and her body naturally changing. And she said she would never touch cocaine. She wasn't a partier. She didn't even know what cocaine looked like. So there's that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, I got to go back to this, um, what that producer, whoever said, Mm -hmm. uh, the huggable, not fuckable. That is such sour digestion for me. I am really struggling on accepting someone saying that to someone. I just It's disgusting. I mean, like, said it to her face. I will not accept those harsh, horrible words. I I think it was, I'm not positive. I don't want to say it was the casting director because I don't know which executive it was, but it was was for the movie Coyote Ugly. She didn't get the role because because that's what they said. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Brittany would struggle with self-image issues throughout her life. She would put on this face of being super confident and fun Mm. and giggly, but she couldn't escape the pressures of Hollywood. (sighs) Friends of hers have talked about the struggles Brittany was going through. Actress Melanie Linsky said, quote, I was friends with Brittany Murphy and the way she viewed herself was always really heartbreaking to me. The things she felt she had to change to be a successful actor. Like, can we just leave women's bodies alone? Seriously. And and not only leave their bodies alone, but don't bring them down to make them feel like they have to self-sabotage or self-deprecate. It is not okay. Like, it is, we have a hard enough time as it is. It's like, she's too fat, so she loses weight. She's too thin. thin you know, it's yep. just like, you can't. We can't keep up. And, and it's such a struggle. And I say we as just. All of us. The women. Yeah, the, the women. The women identifying. But men too, honestly. Oh, totally, totally. But it's just like enough is enough. Like it's it's hard enough to just have, you know, your ordinary life, not to have, not to feel like you're constantly being degraded all the time. Mm-hmm. 
No matter what her hair color was or how much she weighed, Britney's talent was undeniable. She did Drop Dead Gorgeous back-to-back with Girl Interrupted, which shows you the range she had. She could do comedy, drama, Mm -hmm. everything. She was fearless. And it was that fearlessness that led her to star in Don't Say a Word alongside... Alongside? That didn't sound right when it came out of my mouth. No, that's a word. Alongside Michael Douglas, which some say should have landed her an Oscar nomination. She went on to do Eight Mile with Eminem. I also think that should have landed her an Oscar nomination because, to me, she was phenomenal in Eight Mile. Also, Mm -hmm. phenomenal in Girl Interrupted. So many, so many movies she was phenomenal in. Yep. The range was good. She followed that with Just Married with Ashton Kutcher, again, going seamlessly between drama and comedy. I totally forgot she was in that. Yep. And it was these two movies where Britney's love life started to make headlines. She was linked to both Eminem and then Ashton Kutcher, and Ashton said he had never met anyone who wanted to get married as badly as Britney did. They were both around 25 at the time. I think, I think she was 25 and he was 24, so pretty young. But I feel like that's not uncommon for performers to start out in the business oh, right. as a kid, to feel ready for marriage when they're fairly young, because they're forced to grow up so fast. Right. They're, I was going to say, because they, they become an adult in a way that we can't quite fathom. Everything's like put in fast forward. Mm-hmm. And I only bring up her past relationships because it does give a sense of maybe how she ended up with her husband, who plays a big role in her oh. death. Her relationship with Ashton only lasted a few months, but seemed pretty hot and heavy to those Mm -hmm. who knew them. When doing press for Just Married, the two gushed about each other in interviews. Ashton said, I learn something from that girl every day. She's a pro. She just brings it, man. She's really, really awesome. She makes me smile every day. She shows me something about my job every day. She's the best, man. I'll do anything with her. Any movie, hands down. Aw, I love that sentiment. And Brittany said, he's one of the kindest humans I've ever met. He's an extraordinary person. Once you realize he does one thing amazingly, you're then shocked. And you realize that he does another thing equally as amazingly. And then there's another thing after that. When filming wrapped, they each gave each other a ring that they wore on a very important finger. So the tabloids start speculating that maybe they had secretly gotten married. And when they would go to events, there was a lot of PDA going on. Interesting. The two played it coy about their relationship, though. But Ashton's own mom confirmed the romance in a 2003 interview with People magazine. She said, are these two even acting? They act the same way here at home. They're always holding hands, goofing around, wrestling around on the floor the way people in love do. So it came as a bit of a surprise to everyone, especially Brittany, when just a few weeks later in March of 2003... Ashton told the Associated Press they weren't dating, that they only started hanging out by chance. He said, we're just kind of companions. We just like spending a lot of time together. Mm. It was just a couple of months later that he was seen on the red carpet with Demi Moore. Demi Moore. Wow. You know, that's hard because I feel like there's a lot of, now I don't know, maybe there's females as well, but males who have done kind of like had these conversations like where, you know, uh, the infamous one with Minnie Driver happened where she found out she was no longer in a relationship like on Oprah or something. Oh, I don't even know about that. Yeah. I think it was when her her and Matt Damon were dating. And then the next thing she knows, she is not dating him because 
he made some kind of announcement or something. But oh my, yeah. Or I might, I might not even have that story right, but it's something along those lines. And then like this, what I want to like highlight with her is that she just seems so playful and lovable, mm-hmm. and it's like who wouldn't want to have some sort of a relationship with her? Exactly. And maybe, and maybe he kicked himself later. You know, coulda, shoulda, woulda. I mean, hard to say because he doesn't comment on Brittany anymore. Brittany wasn't going to let it slide without making a joke about it, though. She went on the Late Show with David Letterman and said, "I suppose the crux of their relationship basically means to him that age doesn't matter, and to her that size doesn't matter." And then she turns the audience. She's like, "Kidding." And she did apologize afterwards for saying that. But deep down, she was truly heartbroken. Heartbroken. Oh. But they were young, and I need to remember that, too. And keep in mind, this was Ashton's heyday. He was considered Hollywood's golden boy who could do no wrong. With, like, the punk. He was in Punked at yep, the time. Yep, it was Punked, that 70s show, Dude, Where's My Car? Yeah. Hollywood loved him. Mm-hmm. So I think Britney felt a little shunned by the media. Like, she must have been to blame for the breakup. It was a difficult time for her. Howard Stern interviewed Ashton while they were still, while he was still with Britney. And the things Howard said are disgusting. Just to give you a slice of how the media treated her, Howard says, can you believe she was the ugly chick in Clueless? She was a fat, ugly chick. She transformed herself. He then says that Murphy looked like, quote, she'd been around the block a few times and that he better wear a condom if she's been with Eminem. Uh, Imagine if you heard someone say this about you. And no, and no less, not just someone saying it about you, but broadcasting it mm-hmm. to the world. <sighs> After the breakup with Ashton, she dealt with another setback. Her mom's breast cancer returned, and it was aggressive. Brittany put her career on hold to once again care for Sharon, who needed to have a serious surgery to survive. Brittany spent every night in the hospital with her for four weeks straight. Thankfully, Sharon did recover. But tragedy would strike again. That same year, 2003, Brittany would lose a dear friend. Actor Jonathan Brandis, who had actually been Brittany's prom date in high school, took his own life. I think we're going to do an episode on him at some point. He's on our list. You should. You can say that. Oh, I can? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I'm actually doing that, and I just got a, a book of his. So That's um, Amazing. I feel like we're on the same. Probably coming. It's probably coming. I'm doing two right now. Um, and it so we'll just have to discuss afterwards when I'm gonna do this one now because I was gonna do a different one, but maybe we need to just go into this one after Brittany. So I we're on the same way. We'll figure it out. 2003 was turning into quite an eventful year in Brittany's personal life. That year she bought a new house for her and her mom. Maybe it was a way of having like a fresh start. I don't know. The house was a mansion located at 1895 Rising Glen Road in Los Angeles. And I th- is that the same house that like they showcased and it was on the HBO documentary? That- yes. Yeah. Okay. She bought it from another famous Britney, Britney Spears. Spears. Yeah, I do remember that. Spears lived there with Justin Timberlake before their 2002 breakup. And she believed the house had bad spirits in it. She said that the spirits were a man and a woman who appeared to be very disturbed, was how she described them. 
And she said she'd been standing at the top of the stairs when she felt like they were trying to push her down. Spears told a friend, I know you're going to think I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. I know what I saw. I know what I felt. She was so freaked out that she left to go stay at a hotel and never went back. Whoa. And then she sold it. She sold the house, furniture and all, to Brittany Murphy. Wow. Oddly, Brittany Murphy also got a bad feeling from that house, which we'll talk about a little in part two. That same year, we're still in 2003, Brittany was asked to present at the Independent Spirit Awards. She was supposed to read the winner for Best Debut Performance, but when she was on stage, she seemed to not know how to present. And the audience starts shouting at her. A stage manager had to come out twice to give her instructions. And people started speculating that she was intoxicated or on something because her behavior was very odd. However, Roger Ebert, of all people, came to her defense, claiming the way she acted on stage that night was intentional and that she was doing an improv comedy routine. He said, quote, there were those in the audience who were dumbfounded by her stupidity. I was dumbfounded by her brilliance. Oh, wait a minute. I need to do you like, is there a video of this? So here's what's interesting. There you can find like a very small, small, like snippet. It's only a few seconds long. But the actual ceremony has been wiped from online, even though all of the ceremonies before it and all of the ceremonies after it are available in their entirety. Interesting. That is wild. And it's hard to know if if how she's acting is intentional or not, like Mm -hmm. because I, you know, I can only see a few seconds of it. So it's, you know, you can't really get a full picture also, what would the motivation be behind that? I mean, I don't, I don't right. know. Like, yeah, I, it's a little strange. I thought maybe, oh, like she was just so nervous. And like every time we record, I'm nervous, even if it's not like an episode that I'm doing and I'm just like clipping in every once in a while. And, but I still can't, I still get so nervous and I jumble and I like, I am definitely a better writer on like, you know, paper pen or, you know, typing than I am just, you know, and conversationalist but they have um teleprompters right like on on an awards ceremony or how does that work yeah I mean they should and she had like the list of nominees you know in her hand so it's a little it's weird it the award ceremony happened around the same time that Ashton broke up with her I don't know if like that affected it you know okay um but I think those two things combined led to speculation that she was difficult that she was abusing drugs alcohol whatever Mm -hmm. she always thought the accusations were absurd so she just kind of brushed them off at the end of that year she was interviewed by Drew Barrymore for interview magazine that's where stars interview other stars Mm -hmm. I'm going to link the full interview in the show notes because I feel it gives a sense of the kind of person Brittany was, the kind of friend she was. It's just two girlfriends chatting and catching up and talking about life, basically. Uh, They did the interview by phone. So Brittany calls in and Drew answers, hello. And the first thing Brittany says is, hello, I miss you so much. Which, like... That just that's that, like a that's, that's, that's like is. friendship. That's how what, how I would how I would call you. Yeah, you know. Drew says Drew says I'm gonna ask my first question, and Brittany says, "Roll it, baby." 
Like she just seems so fun. She seems like a girl's girl. She's just so playful. I love it. And also what's interesting is I feel like Brittany could really understand the timeline of um, success that Drew went through. Mm. And they weren't on the same because Drew got her so, so young. But I wonder if that could have been like a role model for Brittany. Well, I'm sure it also like helped to bond them. Yeah. Because they're still young at that point. Young, exactly. Drew asked which historical figure Brittany most identified with. And she answered Clara Bow. Clara Bow was a silent film actress in the 20s and early 30s and was Hollywood's original it girl. We should do an episode on her. Yeah. Clara grew up in poverty. She had an absentee father. She rose to fame in movies, but struggled with weight issues and mental illness. So it's interesting that Brittany felt she most identified with her. A few years later, she was given a dog, a little Maltese, that she named Clara after Clara Bow. Just FYI, Marilyn Monroe's dog was also a Maltese. Yes. Eerily enough, in this interview, Drew also asked her how she would like to die. I'm going to read her answer. She says, painlessly, I'd like to be very, 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 very old. With all the technology we're inventing and what they're coming up with scientifically, people are having longer lifetimes. It's scary, but in the same sense, it's also very exciting. So I would like to be happy and healthy and live as long as possible. Drew responds, I liked how you turned the question from how you would like to die into how you're going to live. Beautiful. Unfortunately, we know that did not end up being the case for her. 2003 also found Brittany in a new relationship. Just a month after her split from Ashton, she began dating her talent manager, Jeff Quatinets. I think that's how you say it, who was 12 years her senior. The age difference difference doesn't matter. Like, who cares? I only mention it because it does start to shine a light on the kind of relationship it seems like she was seeking, Mm, that mm -hmm. father figure presence. After nine months of dating, the two became engaged. But they ended their engagement in 2005 after just four months. Just a month after that breakup, Brittany calls up her friend Joe Macaluso. Joe was the best boy on her film Little Black Book. A best boy is the senior electrician. Okay. It could also be a woman, but, you know, sexism in Hollywood. So you have the gaffer, which is the chief electrician, and then the best boy is kind of like their right-hand man or woman. Okay. Like a bat boy. No, not anything like that. (laughs) So, So they're the ones lighting the actors in the set. The two had kept in touch since the movie wrapped, And a friend of Britney's had a crush on him. So she was actually trying to set the two of them up. Oh, okay. And that's how she started to really get to know him. So then she asked if he could come over and put up their Christmas lights. Christmas was Britney's favorite holiday. She loved it. So, of course, she wants everything decorated. Mm -hmm. And remember, she's living in this big old mansion now. So, you know, putting up all those lights is going to be a big task. Have you put up Christmas lights yet? Yeah, they're already like in the yard and I didn't have to do any of it. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's a pain. It is a pain. It is a pain. So imagine doing that for a mansion, but he was an electrician. So, you know, after that, Sharon started hiring Joe to do some handiwork around the house and the two of them became friends. So a month after her engagement to Jeffrey was called off, Brittany calls up Joe and asks him out to the movies. She said he was the first guy she'd ever asked out. They took things pretty slow at first because he didn't want to be the rebound guy. She had just gotten out of this engagement. She was with that guy for a year. 
However, things heated up quickly, and on the morning of New Year's Eve, just later that year, Joe proposed to Brittany in the backyard of her aunt and uncle's house in New Jersey. Oh. They were probably there for the holidays, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I like that it was kind of like um, family-oriented. Yeah, she said that was the place that she felt the safest, was her aunt and uncle's backyard. Oh, that's so lovely. And that, you know what? I do like that, like, a guy would take notice of that, like, Mm -hmm. try to do it in a place that, like, meant something to someone. Yeah. So Brittany started off 2006 in a really good place. She was newly engaged. The movie Happy Feet would be released later that year, in which she got to both act and sing. And the single Faster Kill Pussycat by Paul Oakenfold came out, for which she provided the lead vocals. The song eventually reached number one on the Billboard Hot Dance Club play chart and was a club hit. It was also used in several TV shows that year, including The O.C., Alias, and Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. It's pretty catchy. She would get royalties for all of that then, right? I mean, I, or how does that work? I don't even know how that works, actually. I would think so, but yeah, I I don't know, like music-wise, how okay. that really works. She sounds amazing in it, though. I'm going to link the music video. She has a really good voice. That same year, Britney was working on her own album. The songs were autobiographical, and she said she had been writing them for years. She kept a notebook by her bed and would write poems in the middle of the night or whatever thoughts came to mind. So I think this probably included song lyrics, which kind of, again, reminded me of Marilyn Monroe, just like, constantly writing thoughts, writing poems. She was hoping her album would be released that fall. She would sing on it, obviously, but I wonder, too, if she would have played any instruments on it because she could play trumpet and piano. And she once said that she could play any instrument if you just give her 20 minutes. Wow. I I love musically inclined people like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I'm envious of them. Same. But I love that they are able to do that. Yeah, she was super talented. I couldn't find the reason why, but her album was never released. My guess is she was busy with acting commitments. So she probably, yeah, I'm guessing she just didn't have time to get it recorded. I don't know. In June of that year, Brittany gave an interview to Cosmo. She talked about her album and about Joe. She said when she wasn't working, she and Joe would drive to Malibu and go to this restaurant called Malibu Seafood. It's still there. I actually went on a date there once. The couple also loved to drive around looking for real estate. And when she wasn't with Joe, she loved just hanging out with her girlfriends. They'd go to lunch or go to a spa. She also loved to dance. So sometimes they'd go dancing, but she wasn't really into the whole club scene. She said, I'm not a drinker and I don't do drugs. I don't think drugs and I would ever mix. And I'm kind of a wuss. So that probably has a lot to do with it. She just seemed really down to earth, like someone you'd want to hang out with. Kathy Najimi, who she worked with on King of the Hill, like I said before, said she wasn't a Hollywood girl. Who walks into a room and almost every single person there is thrilled that you're there and then knows that when she leaves the room and goes home, she's the same freaking person. Oh, that that's smashing. I love that. That tells who a person is. Mm hmm. So in talking about her friends, the Cosmo interviewer asks, what's something your friends tease you about? And Brittany answers, I'm a big goof and I'm neurotic. I'm a clean freak and a gerbophobe. And that's just something I want you to keep in the back of your brain for part two. Ah. She did an interview with David Letterman where she's talking about a dare her friends made her do. She liked to do dares. So they're at this bowling alley and her friends dared her to run down the lane and touch one of the pins. 
She said, I was so excited about the sliding sensation. I wasn't drunk or anything. Everybody else was. They triple dog dared me. Of course I did it. So I slid up and I touched the pin. And then all of a sudden that metal clamp that picks up the pins came down and got my head. She said, thank goodness the guy who ran the place saw it and shut it off. But my head was stuck and they had to dismantle it. It was terrible. (laughs) And she's laughing the entire time she's telling this. Of course. It's like they, she's the life of the party without Absolutely. being the life of the party. You know what I mean? Like some people are like, they have to be the life of the party. And then they, right. they, they might drink or do something to to get into that role. Mm-hmm. She just naturally had that role. She was just yep. life. She was Aww. always the first person in the room to start dancing when music played. She smiled with her whole body. Like she she was absolutely the life of the party. And I love this story that she told because it just feels like, That is the essence of Brittany Murphy. In this same interview, though, David Letterman is so disgusting in his comments about her looks. I might link it so you can see he's basically drooling all over her. And then at one point, he actually reaches over and pushes her hair back behind her shoulder to show off her cleavage. In in. Like in, in the inter- like interview on TV on li- on I said online again. Well, I mean technically it is online oh, now. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not wrong. Okay, good. It's so it's so gross. And she she you know she keeps laughing it off. She's playing the game, you know. But this is what she had to deal with her entire career. We're in 2006. Britney goes to Japan to shoot the movie The Ramen Girl. While she was there, she ended her relationship with Joe, calling off the engagement. Mm. And I couldn't find why or what happened between between the two to make it end. Suffice to say that she is once again single. Oh, have you seen The Ramen Girl? I don't... I hadn't even heard of The Ramen Girl before this. I haven't either. That's why I wondered. Okay. I don't think it was great if we... If, you know, because I've never heard about it. Right, right. So she's shooting this movie. She's focusing on her work when a script comes her way titled The White Hotel. Is it on Showtime or is it on? Oh, my God. I can't believe I just edit that out. Why did I say Showtime? I never even think about Showtime as because I can't I don't have that streaming one. I can't believe I was just what are you trying to say. Oh, my God. I was I was going to make it funny and be like, is it on HBO right now? Was this like, you know, ugh, never mind. I'm just going to start over because I don't know where you're going. I was going to make it funny and make it sound like the White Lotus. Oh, oh. And okay. and be like, is it showing on HBO right now? Because it took that guy like 25 years, I think, to get this like going. And so I was like, ooh, mm. maybe that was his first attempt, but never mind. Ugh. I'm going to. fucked it all up. I'm going to I'm gonna back it on up a little bit. Yeah, just back it up and I won't say a damn word. So... She's shooting this movie. She's focusing on her work when a script comes her way titled The White Hotel. Brittany reads it and she's intrigued. She really likes it. She's like, I want to talk to this writer. So she has her team set up a meeting for when she's back in the United States. The meeting was held at a restaurant in Los Angeles and the writer was Simon Monjack. Oh. And that is where I'm ending part one. This was actually way shorter than I thought it was going to be. That's good. I'm glad I didn't fuck it up too much. <laughs> I think I think honestly it's like I'm getting super nervous about White Lotus coming up and so I 
can't talk apparently. I am so um, excited for it. I am too. Oh my gosh. I've been on the countdown. Um, I tried to wear my white lotus like outfit. Oh, I see that now. I like it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you like, know, I love I it's love like it a, she's wearing like a white shirt with like flowers and it's very white lotusy. Yeah, so much though. Anyway, I was really trying to get in the spirit of things. Um, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say, but <laughs> let's just tell everybody where they can find us and you can find us. <laughs> On all the social medias at at Horrorwood Podcasts, including YouTube, and you can also find us or reach out to us on our Gmail at horrorwoodpodcast at gmail dot com. Plus, please, please, please—that's three pleases—sign up for our Patreon <laughs> if you have the means and you're feeling so inclined. Yes, which is Patreon dot com slash Horrorwood Podcast. And we hope you check back with us next week for part two. We're going to talk about Brittany and Simon's relationship. I was going to say Simon for sure. Yeah, we're going to give a little background on that guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to conclude this story. Uh, In the meantime, if you can, we would love you forever if you would re-rate Okay, hold on. it's, It's contagious. It came on to you now. Also, this is just like I'm so past my peak time. If you could rate, review, and subscribe, that means everything to us. It helps us out a lot. We want to keep doing this. Uh, We're having fun. We hope you're having fun. And hopefully you'll be back next week. Stay tuned. And we think you're really gosh darn neat. Oh, you are gosh darn neat. Thank you.